The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. G'day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry each month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Houston, publisher of Print21 and its sister publication, PKN Packaging News. Well, Wayne, the title of this podcast is It's Been a Big Month in Print, and every month it doesn't seem to disappoint. This month has been bigger than most, though, and evidence, it seems, of quite a dynamic industry. So let's start by unpacking one of the big stories this month, the intended merger between the industry's two biggest associations, the PVCA and TRMC. Let me ask you, what is happening with this and what does it mean for the industry? Well, what's happening, Lindy, is the two biggest associations, they have a thousand members between them, covering everything from small coffee shops up to the two big heat set uh, businesses uh, and everyone in between. Uh, those um, uh, associations, TRMC, PVCA, are merging, subject to a vote by TRMC members, but that's, uh, I'm told, is will we'll go through. Uh, the merger will create one uh, association, uh, one major association, several minor ones, which we'll come on to later, but one major association in the industry, uh, which has been hailed by everyone virtually in the industry as good news. Uh, we know unity is strength. Everyone from the prime minister to a kid's suburban football coach knows that. Uh, and these to have one voice, uh, one focus, uh, one uh, CEO uh, leading the industry uh, has to be a good thing. The uh, PVCA is a 130-year-old industry. It's the registered organization of the industry with the government. TRMC came into existence three years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, through the merger of the Catalog Association uh, and uh, the Paper Industry Association led by Kelly Northwood, well-known industry identity, great advocate for the industry. Um, she will now be the CEO. The president will be Peter Clark, who's the president of PVCA. Vice president will be Matt Aitken, who's the president of the uh, of TRMC at the moment. Uh, what it means for the industry is now we've got one uh, voice, uh, one voice to parliament, one voice to government, one voice to uh, the retail sector, one voice to the supply sector. Uh, so it has to be seen as a good thing. Uh, there's a few little I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed, um, we, the, the name being one of them. Uh, technically speaking, TRMC is merging into PVCA because PVCA is the registered organization, but there will be a new name and the, that name will be discussed broadly at the industry at PacPrint, where, where the uh, Merge Association will make a presentation and invite feedback. Uh, location of where the head office will be will be um, also is also something that needs to be sorted out and there are a few constitutional issues and issues around property but i'm assured all those aspects will uh, be sorted out in in due course and will be uh, ready to uh, build we'll give the industry we'll give the association a clear platform to go forward and present on behalf of the industry in what is a crowded um, a crowded field of voices to have one single voice has to be a good thing 
Yes, certainly no one can disagree with the notion of unity is strength. Um, but PVCA and TRMC are not the only associations in print. There's a long list of others, aren't there? With um, We have the Wide Format Association, FESPA, the Labels and Flexo Printers Association, FPLMA, the LIA, which is the Lithographic Institute of Australia, the Australia Sign and Graphics Association, that's ASCA, as well as the Suppliers Association, Visual Connections, and asso associated associations, <laughs> such as Women in Print. So what does the merger of PVCA and TRMC mean for these and those other smaller print associations? Well, uh, they'll all really have to ask themselves some questions and come up with some answers uh, because uh, running very small-scale organizations is increasingly difficult. Events that, that, that they put on, are, are they struggle to attract great numbers, uh, but they are obviously... Uh, defensive of their area they want to represent whatever area it is they feel they should represent that whether that would be within under the auspices of the new bigger organization with uh, secretarial support and logistics support uh, some would argue for that others may want to stay outside it and, and maintain on their own they, they will have to ask questions some like women in print for instance uh, is essentially part of the overall umbrella of the organization of TRMC as at the moment, but and we'll continue that as, a, as an association within an association. But those smaller ones, FPLMA, FESPA, those kind of associations, they'll have to ask some questions. Many people have said for many years, one association for the whole industry is the ideal. And there's a compelling logic to that. Whether that'll happen or not, well, we'll have to wait and see as time goes on. Well, so let's then move on to one of the toughest stories that has been in Print 21 this month. And that is the sudden and complete closure of Avata Heatset in New Zealand. Avata CEO James Hannan is blaming paper supply for the closure. What's really going on, Wayne? Yeah, a very tough story, as you say, Lindy. Ovato Heatset New Zealand has closed completely over the past year. Last September, they closed Christchurch, lost to 60 jobs. Uh, this year, uh, this this month, they've closed suddenly and dramatically, uh, closed Auckland, loss of 100 jobs. Um, Ovato Heatset, formerly PMP, was the biggest heatset printer around in New Zealand. Uh, and to have no represent, no business there now is, uh, the well, the industry's in shock. Ruth Cobb described it as a devastating day uh, for print in New Zealand. Uh, James Hannan, interestingly, is blaming lack of paper supply. The big heatset companies get their paper directly from the mills. Uh, he said that uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't, couldn't source paper for uh, May. They'd have nothing to print on. He said, oh, we've got nothing to print on. We haven't got a business. Uh, print 21, as you know, has been reporting for months now on uh, paper supply issues. Uh, the, the local merchants here who supply the commercial printers uh, or paper distributors, as they now prefer to be called, uh, they have assured me and, and everyone else that they, as far as they're concerned, for mainstream print companies, commercial printers, franchises, high streets, label printers, uh, they're on top of the situation. They're sourcing from multiple sources. They say it's not an issue. But Ovato, New Zealand obviously felt with their own direct lines, they weren't going to get it. Whether that's the full story or not, uh, we don't know. Um, Ovato has uh, struggled in New Zealand. The whole New Zealand business industry has struggled. Uh, and then the biggest customer of, print, of heat set print in New Zealand, R Media, formerly Bauer, which was formerly ACP, uh, R Media is now the owner of Ovato's big rival in New Zealand, Webstar. They're both owned by Mercury Capital, which is, which so for Webstar, they're fine because they've got their customer, their biggest customer is part of their group. 
Ovata, though, not so, except with the twist that our media actually owns 16% of Ovato. Uh, so it's it kind of gets uh, more and more complex in the heat set world as you go on. But James Hannon clearly felt, and the, and the Ovato board, it's got to go. Ovato, as you know, has had a tumultuous 10 years. Share price has lost 99% of its value. Struggles all around. The business is tra- traveling now a third of the size that it was. It's a completely slimmed down business uh, in New Zealand. Now it's just a small sheet fat operation. In uh, Australia, it is uh, it sticks with uh, it's mainly a heat set business, a third the size of it was 10 years ago. So is the paper supply crisis getting worse then? Should ordinary printers be worried? Uh, no, they, they, as I just uh, mentioned, the, uh, the big two merchants, Spices and Ball and Doggett, have told me that they're well on top of supply. Uh, so they, they've, ad- they've advised printers to keep in close contact with them. They said that prices are likely to keep on rising. Uh, lead times are likely to keep blowing out. Uh, and the brands, some specific brands, may not be available, but they've said they will be able to provide a substitute or the same level of, of grade uh, to, to a brand that may not be available. So if your favorite brand for whatever it is, uh, really the real estate brochures that you print uh, is not available, they will provide one that, that is similar to that. So no, it, the paper supply issue isn't, isn't a crisis for the local industry. Um, the UPM strike, the, one of the biggest paper companies in the world, $10 billion a year. They've been on strike for, the workers there have been on strike since the 1st of January, 112-day strike, and that has just ended this week. Uh, and so the workers are going back there. So the whole, the world of print has breathed a big sigh of relief there because that was a, a huge issue that was ongoing. But now where does this leave heat set printing in New Zealand? You mentioned Webstar has the monopoly, basically. Well, um, Webstar has a monopoly on the, north, uh, uh, on the North Island. It's the main printer. On the South Island, Inkwise, uh, there is another heat set printer, Inkwise. So they're an independent business there on the South Island. Obviously, customers from all over. Although, interestingly, Inkwise, which is owned by mainland, Webstar almost bought it three years ago. The deal was going through. It got the nod from the competition commission there but then it fell over at the last minute so there's now two heat set print businesses in new zealand webstar and inkwise bit of a tangled web <laughs> um, you can definitely say that lindy yes <laughs> yeah, no doubt who owns who whose customers is owned by who customers owning business yeah it's definitely a tangled web well and ovata has certainly been through the mill as you mentioned in recent years and here in australia it has just received a cash injection from a hong kong based business so what's that all about yeah, well, very interesting. Left Field Print, which is the owner of uh, Opus McPherson's and Laguerre here in Australia already, uh, they've just put pumped $10 million into Avato. Uh, uh, they've, they've acquired a $4.8 million mortgage and loaned Avato a further $5.1 million. Why have they done that? Well, they say we can get a better return, 8.5% with uh, lending the money to Avato than we can having it sitting in a Hong Kong bank. Um, obviously, it's raised a few eyebrows. They uh, did a similar thing with Opus McPherson's, came in, bought a bit, bought a bit more, eventually bought the whole company. So we'll wait and see on that. A a very interesting move. Well, so far we've covered two of the biggest stories, but they're not the only huge stories in print this month. We've also got the merger of the $7 billion industry super fund, Media Super, um, merging into the $70 billion CBUS fund. So what does that mean? Yeah, well, there you go, Linda. Yep, third big story of the month, Media Super, which is the – most, uh, the majority of print people, uh, that would be their super fund. And, and for Media Super, the print sector is by far the biggest pool of their members. Um, 
It's a $7 billion fund, CBUS 10 times bigger. Uh, and what that essentially means is that uh, by joining CBUS, Media Super will get the economies of scale that it can't get on its own. And because you can't get those economies of scale now, you've, the fees become too high because you're, you're having to pay more than CBUS is paying for the same service, your investment services, for instance. Um, uh, yeah, I had a really good chat with Justin Arter, who is the uh, CEO of CBUS. I went to interview him the other day, and you'll be able to read that feature in the next issue of Print 21. Um, he explained clearly uh, the benefits to Media Super members of being in Print 20, of being in CBUS. Media Super members have enjoyed stellar returns, it has to be said, over the past 10 years, especially 8.4% a year, which is absolutely terrific. CBUS members have done even better, 9.25% a year. 9.25% a year means your, your money is effectively doubling every five or six years. So a, a terrific return over that time. And, and Justin Arter says uh, that uh, return is because of the uh, investment power of CBUS. So the, uh, the big, one of the big issues for Media Super merging is what happens to the Media Super brand because Media Super has been a very strong supporter of the print industry over the years, uh, sponsoring awards, sponsoring events like Print to Parliament, sponsoring women in print. Uh, sponsoring, particularly sponsoring young people in the industry, executives, apprentices. And part of the deal is that the Media Super brand will continue. Uh, Media Super will sit within CBUS. The Media Super board will be dissolved, but there will be a, uh, uh, an advisory committee that will represent Media Super to the CBUS board. Uh, Justin Harter told me that the, uh, the, all the activities that Media Super is involved in uh, will continue. Those sponsorships, those support it gives the industry it will continue, and they're very keen to make sure it does continue. Uh, the products that uh, Media Super members can now look at, the MySuper product, the growth product, they're effectively CBUS products now. They're just white-labeled to, to Media Super. So for, for members, uh, it seems like it's a really good deal. They're getting the huge buying power of CBUS, one of the biggest funds in the industry, and they get to keep the benefits of Media, Media Super's involvement with the industry. Well, it sounds like that was an interesting interview with Justin, and I'm really looking forward to reading that in the next issue of Print 21. And it is going to be quite a change, but I'm so pleased to hear that the Media Super brand um, will continue and that the support for the industry will continue. Now, one of the print sectors that has suffered the most in COVID was the outdoor and display sector. And of course, that's easy to understand with many of its key markets not functioning no commuters, no travel, no expos or conferences, et cetera, et cetera, and retail spluttering along at that time. But now COVID is hopefully effectively over, although for many, of course, it's still impacting certain parts of our lives. But outdoor, is that bouncing back, Wayne? It is, Lindy. Good news for the industry. It's bouncing back and bouncing back strongly, uh, with the caveat that print's share of outdoor, because outdoor is split between digital and print's, or classic as print is called, and we all know that. We see the billboards, some are digital, some are print. Uh, print share is declining. It's now less than 40%, the first time that's ever happened. Uh, but it's a declining share of a bigger pie. So the actual volume, cash volume spend on print is increasing. It's just that the share of print within that pie is decreasing as there are more uh, infrastructure, more assets turn over to digital. Of course, the big advantage of digital is that if you're McDonald's, you can advertise your breakfast at breakfast time, your lunch at lunchtime, your dinner is at dinner time. Print, you can't do that. Big advantage of print is you're there permanently. Um, 
the industry saw in uh, the uh, first quarter of the year an increase of 25% on net media revenue for last year, uh, up by a quarter, which is, which is a huge amount, up to uh, $228 million. Before COVID, outdoor media in itself was on target, on track to reach a billion dollars. Uh, then it got hammered and went down to 600 million. Uh, now it's back up to 800 830 million. So it will, it is uh, tracking well. So, and, and for the reasons you outlined, the reasons why it got hammered, well, all those reasons are why it's coming back as well. So yeah, good news for the uh, print, uh, outdoor print market, it's coming back. And meanwhile, labels, as, uh, that as a sector, has um, had a very strong two years for obvious reasons too, greater purchasing of FMCG products um, as people were at home. And we are seeing, not surprisingly, strong investment in this sector this month. So tell us some more, Wayne. Yeah, we're seeing investment all around there from, uh, as, as um, we've indicated before on this show, digitization means all kinds of printers now can print all kinds of products. The old silos are, are, are falling away. Uh, printers have been printing wide format for a long time now. Now they're increasingly starting to print labels. We're looking at this month, we've seen a, a typical small printer generate. Um, they've bought an Oki machine, it's a $20,000 machine, uh, to serve the short run on demand label market. So, craft brewers, craft food producers, those kind of people, which we all know they're springing up all over the place. So, that's one side of it. Then we get the big label printers. Uh, um, we have another one in uh, Melbourne. Uh, sticky labels, they just bought a big new screen uh, digital uh, UV label machine upgraded from their previous one uh, because they see that uh, by upgrading, by increasing their productivity, they can capitalize on label growth. So we're seeing more label printers themselves investing in the business. And then the developers as well are investing. Canon, which has its big label stream machine sold now by James Rodden here, uh, it's just bought Edale, one of the world's big established uh, conventional label machine manufacturers uh, is now in the hands now been acquired by Canon. Canon has been using Edel for many years as the chassis uh, for its digital label machines. Basically, its engine sits in the middle of a an adapted label uh, mechanical engineering process. Um, so the investment in label printers is going on from both within the industry itself and within the developers. Uh, and for obvious reasons, labels is by all accounts as a story in print twenty one. This week, uh, self-adhesive labels, uh, 5% a year CAGR going for the next few years. Uh, that's a 25% growth or 30% growth over six years. That's a huge growth uh, in any sector. That market is going to grow by 30%. That's a lot for printers to go at. Compared with the commercial print market, where there's little to no growth or shrinkage, you've got to follow the money. Labels is one of those money areas. Yep, labels is one of those money areas, and that's certainly encouraging to see. But so is packaging print. Um, this is growing too, and it's offering new opportunities. And the success of EPAC being a prime case in point. Now, yeah, this month, EPAC, the American global business that only started six years ago uh, and now has got a turnover in hundreds of millions of dollars, they opened for business in uh, Melbourne in October in Australia, first, first plant in Australia. Uh, HP 25K, a um, pouch making line, or two HP 25Ks, pouch making line. Uh, they just put in a second pouch making line, less than six months after opening. Uh, their typical products they're producing there are short run pouches, the kind of thing we get soup in from the supermarket, various products, protein products, uh, dog food, that kind of thing. So uh, we talked about the heat set world. 
in uh, struggling, commercial print not growing, and then labels growing. And here's a whole new sector, really, short-run pouches uh, that's growing so well. This company has started its business and they're growing so well, it's already put in the second line. Print is evolving and evolving at quite a pace. Uh, and for those that uh, can see the way the wind is going, are aware and of the mega trends, of the, as they're called, that are going on in the world, uh, they're able to exploit that those trends and, and develop great businesses from them. Uh, and that's kind of the story of EPAC. Well, those trends and that, and that sort of level of new technology that's advancing rapidly is what we're going to be seeing at PacPrint, of course. Um, that's the COVID postponed show that is now making its long-awaited appearance at the end of June. Very, very close. Um, it's one of a number of revived expos that are make, taking place over the next few months. I'm going next week to Italy to see IPAC EMA, which is a packaging and print trade show over there, mostly packaging. OzPAC is happening in the middle of May in Melbourne. FESPA at the end of May, which you're attending in Berlin, Wayne. Um, do you think all of this heralds the return of trade shows, shows as they were before, or do you think they're going to take on a slightly different feel? Yeah, well, it will be interesting to see, Lindy, as you and I go to these shows you know, here and around the world, how they play out. Before COVID, trade shows were on a pretty much a straightforward growth traje trajectory. Uh, then COVID came and they, they pivoted into hybrid shows. Uh, now the actual physical shows are coming back. We will be interesting to see how they go on. The huge mega shows, uh, Drupa, that will be interesting to see how they, those kind of shows go as well, because these shows we're going to are very specific, uh, wide format, packaging, Auspac. Um, the, the, the bigger show, the all-in-one show, the local shows also are very specific to the local area, like PacPrint. Uh, the big shows which cover everything, well, that will be interesting to see how they, how they go on. IPEX, of course, uh, and print, for that matter, in Chicago as well, both now X shows, uh, no more. Uh, but the shows, the, the specific shows, well, there's, a, there's an appetite from them, from the suppliers, from the exhibitors, 325 exhibitors at uh, FESPA, OSPAC uh, sold out, PacPrint approaching sellout stage, although not everyone's there, but almost everyone. The suppliers have the, have the appetite. Do print business owners and managers have the appetite to get back out, take time out of their day, fly or travel to these conferences? Uh, to these exhibitions we'll wait to see we hope so because they're all they're great events they're great events for the industry have a heap of other th activities going on uh, pack print has awards national print awards of course vendor events going on so we'll wait and see but it's uh, it's so great to see them back and to be able to take part in them yeah i for one am very uh, much looking forward to walking some halls and hearing the sound of machinery and um, shaking some hands even at a distance or tapping some elbows probably so on that point Wayne let's wrap up this episode of um, it's been a big month in print it certainly hasn't disappointed in terms of the big stories and um, we have to thank everybody of course for listening we value your feedback especially the positive feedback and that's it from me Lindy Houston time to say goodbye and it's goodbye from me, Wayne Robinson, from this episode of The Print Files. We look forward to you joining us again for the next episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. 
If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print 21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.